Live from the Export Beer Garden Studios, this is The Agenda Summer Special. The Agenda, an alternative commentary collective podcast. Uh, g'day there, welcome along to The Agenda Podcast, G-Lane and Dylan Cleaver. Happy New Year. Thanks, Mike. Yes, yeah. she's, but, but it's a bit weird, no cricket though. No international cricket apart from Christmas in Lahore, apart yeah. from the Pakistan tour, none at home. I know, it's a really strange feeling, isn't it? I guess we've had the, the white ferns a bit earlier against Bangladesh, but that didn't really set the pulse racing. Oh, God, that is horrible. That, that series was horrible. Yeah. It was not only one-sided, but also rain-affected. Yeah. So oh. it was a double whammy, wasn't it? Um, but um, throughout the summer, we are, we're re-releasing um, the uh, Behind the Absolute Scenes as a, as a podcast. If you haven't seen that, um, there is a video series available, but we're just chronicling the – First year, it was the first 12 months of the ACC. And for you, Dylan Cleave, you were on the other side of a lot of what the, the goings on. You were at the yeah. Royal New Zealand Herald at the time. I was, I was, I think I was head of sport maybe even when it was first oh. starting up. And I, I could actually remember in a different incarnation of the BYC, which was um, yourself, myself, and Jeremy Wells. I can remember yes. you and Jeremy having a lot of furtive discussions <laughs> about stuff that was about to happen. And, uh, yeah, and that was obviously the the um, genesis of the ACC. And um, as much as it would have been cool to be part of it, I don't think it would have ever fit into the Royal New Zealand Herald brand. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but we've slowly moved. We're, slowly, we're kind of we're kind of dating, but not really at mm. the moment. I mean, we're owned by the you know semi owned by the same company. Yeah. So they kind of forcefully have to do stuff, reluctantly do stuff with us. Um, mm. But I think they're warming to us slowly. It's, it's only taken seven years. Yeah. Um, but they're slowly warming to us. But this this particular game, which was a subject to behind the absolute scenes, was the first World Cup game: New Zealand, Sri Lanka, Hagley Oval. Um, what a day! What a day! Well, the fact that the ACC was even allowed to commentate the the, the World Cup was a, a next level. They've soon regretted it. Trust me. Um, but we had the rights. We had the rights to be there. But they really didn't want us in the media area. They didn't want us anywhere near um, the broadcast boxes or any of the official media and they let us bring the caravan in but they just put us in the most bizarre locations where we couldn't see the ground at all not even a single player which is uh, sometimes helpful for ball by ball correct because you got no yeah, absolutely <laughs> so you just watch but the, the key there is and this was the big problem at this game the key is that we've got a screen that you can watch the real-time game and you've got effects in your ears and you can still call the game off tube um, so but in this game we turned up and then we had nothing. We had no power. We had no uh, vision. We had no sound, nothing. And we were in the car park. Our caravan was just sitting there. Uh, can I just pull you back a little bit? When you say they. Well, see. Yeah, we ICC were reco- or yes, NZC? So, no, so no, NZC had nothing to do with it. This is ICC and um, our own technology team had been briefed to provide this, this, this to the caravan. This is the location it would be. And there was absolutely nothing there. Um, which what, what ensued was the most kind of comical Benny Hill situation where you had seven dudes in uh, beige suits running around. I had to go to the broadcast compound, and, and this was in the podcast, and buy 200 me- metres of Cat 5 to plug <laughs> into the TV and then run along a footpath. And I had to climb the um, TV tower and convince this um, uh, like star TV, uh, star sports cameraman who English wasn't his first language, that this guy, smelling a bit like piss because we've been at the pub, um, <laughs> to plug his Cat 5 into his output of his camera so I could actually get a feed. It was 
next level. Anyway, we, we got it underway, but the, it's the story. We had some visitors to the caravan. Jerry Brownlee famously thought he was coming to commentate cricket. At this stage, would he have been Deputy Prime Minister? Or? Yes, he, no, he was Minister for the uh, Quake Recovery as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, so um, he soon found out that it wasn't a normal commentary, uh, and there's evidence <laughs> of that in this upcoming podcast. He really reluctantly wouldn't give us his virginity story. Uh, Richie McCaw popped in as well. Yeah. Um, and we had, we actually had a, a journo. Was he uh, a bit more forthcoming? Yeah, yeah he was probably leaned in, gave us some beers. He was not overly more forthcoming, but he said, he said less, but he was more friendly. Um, and we had a journo from Mumbai who asked if he could sit in the back of the caravan and see what goes on. And he sat through the Jerry Brownlee interview. And the, the, the article he wrote in the Mumbai Times was so funny because he was he was trying to talk about we, that these commentary team asked the question that no one asks. and But he tried to allude to it because he wasn't allowed to say virginity in the Mumbai Times. It was so good. And he was just, just dumbfounded about the kind of shit we were getting up to. And, you know, caterers, the caterers were the end of us because they came past with this huge trolley of beer and then stopped and just unloaded half of it into the caravan. We didn't ask for it. But we accepted it. They just it. assumed. Yeah, it's assumed. Uh, and then, it, yeah, and I don't cover it off in this, this particular podcast that's coming up, but I could sense it was something was up when an ICC delegation, including the head of the ICC at the time, went past, and they're all in bay, uh, blue suits, and they went past, and they kind of stopped, and I, one of them was pointing like this, because obviously we were in the middle of singing the Ronky Donkey song, um, you know, the Winky Wonky Donkey, Ronky Donkey, which involves everyone clapping and stamping their hands and it's car- the caravan's shaking and it stopped and you could see this this and like, like a little bit of finger wagging and then they kind of confused look and then they moved on so I think that was the beginning of the end anyway but uh, did you go to that game? I think I must have it was must have surely Hadley Oval it yeah. was kind of a grey yes, start yes. to the day and then Brendan McCullum started like eased everyone's nerves because everyone was crapping their undies and he came out yeah. and he smoked I don't know how many runs off, not many balls, and everyone was like, yes, yes. because yes, I think they might have lost the toss. So this is getting very nerdy and being inserted on a grey kind of day. Yeah. And no one was quite sure how Hagley was going to play. Malinga was, a, was yeah. playing. It was like, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. Um, but no, it was the start of what was a magnificent World Cup. But here it is. It's behind the scenes. It's the first uh, Cricket World Cup match, which also features a deep dive into Mangina Gate. They um, proceeded to uh, give themselves manginas. Um, they, they were nude at the time, we should have noticed that. I had nothing to do with Mangina Gate. Look, I don't want to talk about Mangina Gate. I was not associated with Mangina Gate. I didn't ask for a Mangina. And the cops came round to the caravan. I mean, we put our hands up straight away. What was the atmosphere like around Christchurch ahead of that, that Cricket World Cup? That was huge. The, the atmosphere around Christchurch before the World Cup, that opener at Hagley Oval, was, was huge. It was the first time that New Zealand hosted a World Cup event, obviously since 1991, 1992, which was massively successful. Yeah, if I remember rightly, the atmosphere in Christchurch before that big opener World Cup was, was electric. Um, you could cut it with an electric carving knife. Look, I'll be honest with you, I don't know because I was into my prep before the game. Um, I like to do six or seven hours prep before each game uh, and I just left the lads to it. But apparently the atmosphere is very good, very positive. The atmosphere at the ground was cracking. It was a beautiful day. People of Christchurch were going off 
and we were pretty excited to, to be involved. We couldn't believe we were there for a start, but um, we soon found out that we wouldn't be welcome. <laughs> couldn't find accommodation. The only accommodation we could find in Christchurch for that first game was um, a old leaker apartment above Tony's tyres. And there was some kind of incident happening in a house next door where, where the police should have probably been brought in. I'm not sure if they weren't, I can't remember, but I do remember there was a lot of doors open um, there was a lot of dudes in very small accommodation. Which I think was a, probably a centre for people either producing meth or high users of meth. And some of the lads, I won't name names, um, went out in the town on the lash. We decided just not to come home. We'd stay up most of the night and come home, get a couple of hours of sleep and then, then head off. There are rumours about uh, adult venues. Oh, strip club. Oh, yeah. What I do remember, yes, I do remember. Um, I do remember a lot of poles. Um, or either at a scaffolding company or, a, or yeah, it was a strip bar, it was. Yeah, okay, well, look, we, we were there. That's just a matter of course for the ACC. I mean, as I say, I never indulged in that sort of stuff. It was more your lanes, your hearts. But again, you've got to understand the pressure we're under, you know, to, to deliver the next day and that was one way to uh, to absorb some of that pressure and and I think it was the only bar that was still open at that time anyway so we naturally just kind of gravitated toward it it wasn't a conscious effort it's just hard the next day you know trying to you know pay for hot dogs and pies and stuff with, with calendar girl money. Do you remember where the caravan was positioned? First of all it was it was almost out in a catering area so we were facing the back of a, a hill we could not see one player on the field. We couldn't see anything. It was almost positioned out of the ground. It looked straight into the back of a broadcast area, I think. And it was like it was isolated as well. They put it out on its own. We weren't even next to anything. It was just this, like, beacon. We were right across from the toilets, and so everybody who was on that embankment who was getting drunk had to pass past our caravan, and it seemed every single person stopped by and said something. The positioning of the caravan's always been a controversial Thing. We were dealing with the ICC and that was an interesting proposition as well because they didn't know about the ACC, they didn't know about the Alternative Commentary Collective. I think the other media got together and they said, look, we can't have this, and they put us um, pretty much out of sight, out of mind, thinking, you know, if, if they can't see us, they can't hear us. But they were wrong, because we still broadcasted. Can you remember any technical difficulties that, we're, that the ACC suffered that day? There was one major technical difficulty that the ACC suffered that day, and that was that we didn't have any thing. And obviously not being able to see the game physically, which was very a big part of it for the ball-by-ball ball guys. When you're talking about animal facts and stats, you don't really need to see anything. But the ball-by-ball ball guys, they need to see what's going on. So we, we had TV screens, and if I remember rightly, they weren't even working. We had to sort of just imagine um, what would be happening. So there was quite a few overs where we were just um, absolutely making it up. We were so far away from the cameras that nobody had a cable long enough that would run from our caravan to any of the cameras. And ACC head G Lane was running around like a man possessed, so focused. Oh my God, the technical difficulties. So now normally we can see the game and we can commentate if we don't get a signal. But the fact we had no TV signal and we were out and back in the catering back staff area, we couldn't see anything. No one had provided us a cable. And when we asked people, can we, you know, we've agreed with the ICC that we're gonna be brought, and everyone would go, well, I don't know, mate. You're gonna to have to get a cable and run it up that um, tower there and plug it into a camera. And I was like, 
that tower is like 150 metres away from us. He goes, and the guy's like, you know, it's like, where can I get cable? And he goes, oh, there might be some, they sell some in the broadcast compound. <laughs> so I go over there with a work credit card and I was like, I need 200 metres of Cat 5. And the guy's like, what? And I just said, just give me that whole reel there. So we had a whole, the whole reel was a 200 metre reel of uh, Cat 5. I gave him like 500 bucks, whatever, I didn't care. At that stage, it was 10 minutes before the start of the Cricket World Cup and we had no signal. We had to get the cable from the caravan up the tower above the bowler's arm and into a camera. So first of all, we had to get the cable there. Then we had to convince the cameraman to let us, some fuckwit in a Hallenstein suit, to plug a cord into his camera. There was cable being pulled up, there was cable being laid, there were things being plugged, there was negotiations with sky cameras, there was officials trying to kick us out. At one point, Richard Hadley walked past, he was very nice. So eventually get up there. This guy's, I annoy him until I plug in the output into his thing and we got a signal. Can you recall any visitors to the caravan that day on that opening match? Uh, Jerry Brownlee. He came in, for example, and when I say big name, he's, a, he's kind of a, a big, big, well, he's a big guy. And this is a small caravan. Had we been towing or moving the caravan at that time, it would have been illegal. He was actually put up by Jonathan Coleman, who suggested that he should come along. He didn't know anything about the ACC, so he thought he was actually involved in a proper broadcast. He unfortunately had Lee Baker and Jeremy Wells on with him who just went at him, just went at him about when he lost his virginity. Virginity, yeah, yeah, yeah. Je poor old Jerry being very uncomfortable with the line of questioning, but uh, old Baker had to go there. Yeah, he wouldn't even admit that he'd ever even made love. In the end, we just tried to narrow down Jerry Brownlee's virginity to a North Island or a South Island, and he refused to even tell us. North or South Island for a start? Well, well, I think, firstly, this is not really something that I should be giving advice on. Uh, because despite Jeremy's uh, suggestions earlier, it's not something I have great expertise in. Well, that's not what I've heard. I, mean, I heard that you're a demon in the sack. Yeah. <laughs> in the end, we concluded he hasn't lost his virginity. You've got kids, mate. You're bound to have, surely. Can you explain Mangina Gate and the visit from the police to the caravan? In hindsight, it was very eventful in many ways. A lot going on in the field, a lot going on in the caravan, and a lot going on around the caravan. It seems to attract um, controversy wherever it goes. Um, Mangina Gate, for example. I had nothing to do with Mangina Gate. Look, I don't want to talk about Mangina Gate. I was not associated with Mangina Gate. I didn't instigate Mangina Gate. I didn't, I didn't ask for a Mangina. Yeah, that was an interesting one. That was with Lee Hart and myself, I believe. Um, and someone took a photo of us and in the background of our photo were some lads doing the old Mangina. This was um, three or four guys, I think accosted Jason, myself, while we were wandering around outside getting some fresh air and they came over and grabbed a few selfies and stuff, which was great. You know, we love that stuff. Um, and then they um, proceeded to give themselves manginas. Um, they, they were nude at the time, we should have noticed that. And then the cops came round to the caravan um, to discuss some lewd activity that had been going on. And they said, oh, there's been reports of nudity. I mean, we put our hands up straight away. Generally, if there was anything lewd going on, it was us. Um, word spread around that there was, man, there was manginas being pulled everywhere in front of kids. And 
all sorts. Well, more than the first time, I don't think that day, the police paid a visit to the caravan and, and explained that um, we can't be inciting manginas and that sort of stuff around the stadium, which we weren't. You know, you know what it's like in, in New Zealand, you start a Mexican wave nowadays, they probably throw you out of the stadium. But back then, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't just encourage people to do manginas or, or anything like that, really. So it's a different time, a different time. Is that the inspiration for the mangina, manginas of cricket calendar? The cricketing manginas of New Zealand calendar did actually come out of, the, out of this incident because word spread about the photo and the photo got put on social media and I think it had to get pulled down because I think one of them worked in the media and got in trouble. But word spread around cricketing manginas and that summer we got sent photos of people in full mangina but playing beautiful cricket shots with a mangina or bowling with a mangina and so we got so many of them we, just, we created a calendar uh, you know we had you know Mr June Mr May all that stuff it was I mean it didn't sell a lot but um, it certainly sent our web numbers through the roof on the next episode of behind the absolute scenes slamming beers and like having a party outside the caravan they were watching us very very carefully Mike went and got a tractor it was in a perfect position for me to chew my face off. I don't know whether it was the nose guy. Like some sort of demented zombie. Something could go wrong here today. And it was way too close for comfort. I don't think that tractor's moving. Mm.